0: This is Science Friday. I'm John Dankosky.
1: And I'm Regina Barber. On Science Friday, we've been following closely the explosion of new artificial intelligence tools available to the public, and the ethical implications in using AI within creative mediums. This week, we're focusing on how AI intersects with the most popular music genre in the United States, hip hop. Take a listen to this viral deep fake of Kanye West, rapping a verse from Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy the No escape from real ah, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy, need no sympathy. <laughs> I'm easy it was gone, created easy with gone. just a few clicks using the program Uberduck. And it turns out that what makes hip hop performers verses so spellbinding is what makes them easier to mimic in deepfakes than other genres of music. Joining me now to talk more about the role of AI and the future of hip hop is my guest. The rapper and music, science, and technology scholar, Dr. Anango Lumumba-Kasango, also known as Samus. She's an assistant professor of music at Brown University based in Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to Science Friday, Dr. Lumumba-Kasango. Hi, this is so exciting. Let's talk about that Kanye deepfake. What was your reaction when you first heard it? Oh, I was horrified.
0: I was totally (laughs) horrified, you know, in part just because of the space that Kanye West occupies culturally right now. Um, But then also, of course, I immediately, my brain started spinning and thinking about what are the implications of this thing? How is this going to change the landscape, soundscape of the art form in which I work and the art form that I've fallen in love with?
1: Is the ability to create like convincing deep fakes unique to hip hop? I imagine you could also like create a deep fake to say somebody like Taylor Swift or something.
0: Yeah, it's totally possible to create deep fakes in other genres. I mean, as long as you have the kind of sonic data, then you're able to manipulate it and create sort of a, a pool from which to draw material. The thing that's interesting and uh, troubling about the development within hip hop is that there's so much speech data. There's so much word data, because as folks who are familiar with the form understand, and according to the the words of, of Adam Bradley, who is a a scholar and thinker of hip hop poetics, there's more speech data per line in a rap song than there is in in a song on another genre.
1: So other than the like words per line, there's also a rapper's like unique style. So actually, does that make it easier to mimic?
0: That's a really great question. Part of my, my research and interest in this has led me down these interesting wormholes in the world of wrap generators. So there are kind of online um, platforms for folks to quote unquote craft versus um, and in some cases, craft versus in the style of a particular artist. So what that means is for that particular rap generator, the pool of words and phrases are coming directly from a specific artist's catalog. So there's a, a generator for the rapper MF Doom. That's amazing and and totally nonsensical and very silly to play with, um, which was developed by Nabil Hassan, who's a technologist. And he developed this tool to generate rhymes that are in the quote-unquote style of MF Doom. So it's like, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that his entire pool of verses has been mined for different rhyme sounds, different combinations of words. And those are the types of bars that are served up to the uh, quote unquote writer.
1: And we'll get to like how good those generators are. But let's first talk about you'd written a piece for public books that um, this ability for AI to convincingly impersonate Black artists is part of a legacy of white people impersonating black performers. Can you unpack that a little bit for us?
0: Absolutely. So folks might be familiar with terms like high-tech blackface and digital blackface, um, which have emerged in popular conversations recently and were coming from the world of critical media studies to talk about The new sort of tools of the digital age that allow non-Black people to adopt Black personhood through their avatars and across different platforms. I mean, many folks will be sort of familiar with TikTok and the way that it allows folks to mime particular artists. And it's interesting to think about what circulates, what kinds of clips um, achieve virality. And so when we talk about digital blackface, the term blackface itself refers to blackface minstrelsy, which is a racist theater and musical form uh, that emerged in the early 19th century, and it became America's first national form of entertainment. This this practice has been further kind of understood not just as a space for mockery and um, discussed, but also a reflection of white fascination with the other, with the risk of entering into that space, becoming uh, this, this other group, right? Becoming the other allows for some kind of transcendence or connection with a quote unquote like primal self. These kinds of ideas are what undergirded my understanding of what was happening with tools like Uberduck, what the potential is for tools like this to perpetuate um, some of these uh, kind of racist practices.
1: Right. And because none of this is new, uh, this kind of appropriation, how could AI remove accountability for appropriating Black artist music?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think this can happen in a number of ways. Uh, primarily, I think part of how appropriation in the digital age has functioned is that the distance between creator and appropriator, for lack of a better term, has been widened, right? The gulf between where the material is coming from and the the person who's able to co-opt that has, has really widened in some ways. And so Folks are much less, um, you know, phrases and, and ideas will pop up on our feeds, right? And we might have no relationship with where that thing came from. And so in so many cases, we've seen you know, African-American vernacular English, phrases that are coming specifically from Black folks that then make their way through the kind of ecosystem of the internet. And next thing we know, it's the catchphrase of a brand, right? A brand is utilizing this phrase for monetary gain or a particular artist or influencer who's com- not at all connected with the space from which, this, um, which these ideas and creations emerge. And so I think with AI specifically, there's, the gulf is sort of further widened because we have this sort of generalizable pool, right? There's a, a rapper from nowhere, essentially. Um, it, we're able to create a voice from "quote unquote" nowhere, especially when the pool from which these words and phrases and ideas is not known to the listener and/or writer. And so that's what really concerns me because, you know, I I worry there's there's no way to account for credit in this system.
1: I want to circle back to talk more about using the AI. Like, remember we said, is it good? You have some firsthand experience in working to develop a rap generator for a video game based on the HBO TV series, Insecure. Congratulations, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. In the research process, you tried out some of the online lyric generators. What did you find? what were their limitations? What were their benefits?
0: Well, so in terms of the the limitations, one of the things that I found was that for the most part, the lyrics are kind of nonsensical. You'll, you know, type in a a, a particular prompt, and I picked the word anything. And so. <laughs> so yeah, I want to write about anything. So tell me how to do that. So I, mm-hmm. I plug that in. And the verse that came back to me was fairly incoherent as a Narrative, but one thing that was interesting as I continued to utilize um, the the tool is I would see the same kinds of of lyrics, language that could be coded as misogynist and or queer antagonistic, kind of kept popping up no matter what I was trying to rap about. And so I wondered, you know, is this a reflection of the? pool of words and lyrics that the um, developers decided to to use or is this a reflection of the biases of the developers to make sure that those kinds of phrases and framings were showing up in every single iteration of any kind of rap verse I wanted to develop, Um, which I think is a a problem, reflects a broader problem around how people view and listen to hip hop music more broadly. I know through my own experience as a writer and producer and performer how vast and incredible and and incredibly creative and ingenious MCs can be and yet in these these tools in the tool that I was using I it was so I was so limited In the ways that I could speak about the world, it it kept referring to it kept reflecting the sort of like tired ideas about hip hop as as uniquely perverse or uniquely um, invested in misogyny or queer antagonism.
1: It it just makes me think of that outcast line. (laughs)
0: You
1: you thought hip hop was only guns and alcohol.
0: Yep. Period.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You also decided to put some guardrails on what words players could and could not say in the game. How do you go about making those decisions?
0: Yeah, ooh, that was so complicated. And I think that's part of it, right? I think that the community aspect of developing a tool is critical to its success and critical to its engagement with the communities for whom the thing ostensibly is supposed to serve, right? Like I have my ideas about what counts as a dope verse, or um, I have my ideas about what's offensive or what's interesting but as a as a group as a game studio we would regularly have conversations about particular words not running away from words that could be perceived as you know, harmful, but thinking about where where the harm is coming from and how to subvert that harm. So, you know, the the game allows folks to use the B word, for example, um, and you can use that word, but only to refer to yourself affirmatively. Um, and so that was a kind of caveat that we threw into the game process because we didn't want it to be abused or used as a way of demeaning somebody. Um, but there were certain other words that we excised, You know, the N-word, we we made sure that 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 wasn't accessible because of the, you know, the the sort of racial politics of the moment. We didn't have the capacity to figure out an artful way to engage with that, not knowing who was going to be playing the game.
1: I'm Regina Barber, and this is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. You recently also tested ChatGPT to see how well it might write some of your verses, were they any good? Better than the previous lyric generators you've tested before?
0: So the the verses were definitely light years ahead of the other generators that I tried, just in terms of coherence. So I, I plugged myself in and... The verse that's supposedly coming from me says, I don't fit the mold, that's for sure. I'm not just another rapper, I'm something more. I spit fire on the mic like a dragon's roar, and I'm not afraid to speak up. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's it's, it's <laughs> getting at the things that are important for that particular rapper. Um, like, like dragons. I love dragons. <laughs> So that's one, but also this idea of like not fitting the mold. That is actually something that I'm invested in as an MC and it understands what we're about, but cannot approach the way that that emerges as a kind of sonic representation or as a written verse, um, that the complexity of how that's expressed through you know, each individual artist is the richness of that is completely cut from the picture.
1: One of the things that ChatGBT isn't really great at is slant rhymes. Can you explain what a slant rhyme is?
0: There are perfect rhymes and there are slant rhymes. So a perfect rhyme is when the rhyme sounds are exactly the same. So like car and bar, right? Um, And a slant rhyme is is when the, the vowel sound is similar or shared, but the actual uh, makeup of the, the word is not totally the same. So the first few lines of a song I have called 1080p say, I'm kind of scared of the Academy. I think that my parents are proud of me. I just wish I knew how to be comfortable here. I never feel like I'm allowed to breathe. So Academy, proud of me, allowed to breathe. They have similar kind of rhyme sounds. And through the, the magic of, of rap vocalizing, you can kind of bend them to sound more similar than they would in speech. But that's an example of how slant rhymes emerge
1: in the rap space. For one, I love 1080p. But now let's listen to an example of another good slant rhyme of yours. Here's a bit from your verse on Open Mic Eagles track, hymnal.
0: I'd rather be hiding alone like some Ewoks up in treetops, creeping around like I'm tea boss steeping the grounds of my teapots, but I'm Steve Jobs on my apple, updating my e-shops, eat an apple a day, take a brief pause, take a nap. Yeah,
1: your job is not being taken anytime soon. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's not. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was great to listen to that again. We've just run through all the negatives, most of the negatives of AI and its interaction with hip hop. Do you see any possibility for something good to come out of using AI in hip hop?
0: Yeah, I mean, so something interesting that came up when I was using ChatGPT is I typed in something like uh, write a rhyme in the style of Jay-Z. And the first thing that popped up was this note, um, I do not have the ability to rap like Jay-Z or any other artist. However, I can suggest that if you want to learn how to rap like Jay-Z, you might consider studying his music and style, practicing freestyling and writing lyrics, and working with a vocal coach or other experienced rapper to develop your skills. Remember that becoming a skilled rapper takes time, dedication, and practice. So don't get discouraged if it takes a while to achieve your goals, good luck and i thought that was really amazing because one of the things that i feel like all of these rap generators has missed is an understanding of the complexity of the form i mean it's these are it, this is really incredible poetic and sonic work and the last thing that i think could be interesting is that you know, there could be a space in which we start building our own kind of libraries and sharing that with folks and having that become uh, a kind of interesting art form. So I'm thinking about the words of Alexis Andre, who works for Sony Computer Science Laboratories. And I was on a panel with him about ethics and aesthetics last year. And he brought up this really provocative idea about the data itself representing a kind of art form or asset. And so it's like, here's the set. Samus library, right? Like here's the library of common phrases and terms and ideas that come up in this artist's work. Um, And people might be able to develop that for themselves, which I think could be interesting, could be fun and exciting.
1: Dr. Lumumba Kasango Samus, thank you so much for this great conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you. This was awesome. Dr. Anango Lumumba Kasango, also known as Samus, is an assistant professor of music at Brown University based in Providence, Rhode Island.